This episode of Armchair Explorer is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And epic journeys is what we're all about. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Armchair Explorer, where the world's greatest travel writers and adventurers tell their best story from the road. I'm Aaron Miller. I'm a travel writer myself, and this show is all about taking you on incredible adventures. Are you ready? Let's go. This episode, we have one of my favorite travel writers, Jonathan Thompson, JT. He's a legend in the business. He writes for just about everyone and he writes beautifully. He's been to over 60 countries on all seven continents and he really has a knack for telling a story. This one is a beaut. JT is going to take us on an adventure right to the ends of the earth. We are going to the snowy white wilderness of Antarctica, the last continent, one of the most incredible places on earth, but somewhere that very, very few people get to see. And we're gonna do it in such a special way. We're gonna follow in the footsteps of one of my favorite all-time explorers, Ernest Shackleton, the great polar explorer. JT, for the centenary of, uh, of Ernest Shackleton's uh, endurance expedition, JT actually went on a trip where he got to follow in the footsteps of, of Shackleton and do some incredible, crazy things like camping on Antarctica itself. Now that is something truly, truly special. Um, not many people get to see Antarctica. Almost no one gets to spend the night there. And uh, we're going to go with JT and do that. It's an incredible story. Get ready. But before we do, just a very quick reminder. If you like the show, if you like these stories and you want to hear more of them, please subscribe. And please, if you can, leave a review. Um, also, feel free to get in touch at Aaron M. Writer across Twitter and Instagram or go to armchair-explorer.com uh, where you can find out more background information on this trip and all the other stories we tell as well as get in touch with us directly and figure out how you can do some of these adventures yourself. But for right now, wherever you are, whether you're walking down the street with your headphones, whether you're cooking your dinner or listening in your car, for just a second... Close your eyes and picture Antarctica. Dream of that pristine icy wilderness at the bottom of the earth because that's where we're about to go. Antarctica is always a place that has fascinated me ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I guess like a lot of children that grew up in England, I learned about Captain Scott from a very young age and particularly that kind of the story of almost making it to the to the South Pole first and just being beaten by Amundsen and then that whole kind of journey home and the brave sacrifice of Captain Oates I'm going out for a walk I might be some time and then finding the bodies and and, and the, the, the diary entry where Scott has said for God's sake look after our people you know that kind of that brave heroic and ultimately tragic adventure which just really captured my imagination from a very early age. I guess in many ways that, that kind of inspired me to get into adventure travel in the first place, you know. The the idea of these these guys from the golden age of exploration and going 
going to places that no one had ever been before. Seeing mountains that didn't have names because no one's ever climbed them and therefore never named them. And, you know, that, that, that kind of, that golden age of exploration was always something that I obsessed over as a kid, just sort of lying on the, on the floor of my bedroom with my kind of legs up in the air, reading books about sailors and uh, climbers and, you know, the, the way they lived and the, the things they ate and the, the way they navigated, it just really fascinated me from a point of a boyhood start. And then Antarctica, Antarctica in particular had an interest for me because I had an ancestor, it was my grandfather's grandfather, whose name was Richard Thompson. And he sailed with Shackleton from England to South America on that crew. And then when they stopped in Argentina to supply for the final push down to Antarctica, various members of the crew didn't continue. My ancestor was one of them, but he was he was there at the very first leg. So we had that kind of, you know, I had heard from my grandfather stories of his grandfather and how he knew Shackleton and how um, you know, he, he had been there for a tiny little piece of this epic voyage. Even if it was the least dangerous piece, he still crossed the Atlantic with Shackleton and he personally knew him. And we had his medals and we had his service record and we had sort of like a grainy photo of him. That, that kind of gave me a personal connection, however distant to this epic story. So for me, going down to Antarctica and seeing the places where Shackleton and his crew had been and the getting more intimately acquainted with the story, this incredible story, um, it almost kind of felt like getting closer to my own family history. And um, so it was, it was more than just, way more than just a, another assignment for me. The story of the Endurance is truly one of the great adventure stories of the ages. With both poles conquered and discovered, Shackleton's plan was to do something even bolder, even crazier, and more ambitious. Shackleton put an advert uh, in the paper looking for people, looking for volunteers to join him on the Endurance expedition to Antarctica, and it read like this. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold... Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful. Honour and recognition in case of success. Sir Ernest Shackleton. You have to love that. But what's even better? He was inundated with requests. He was inundated with applications. And in a way you can understand why. Just imagine for a second setting sail for an unknown world a blank space on the map the last uncharted continent just imagine being part of something of that history i think that's what the the spirit of the the age of of great polar explorers is all about his mission was not to reach the south pole because that had already been achieved by amundsen his mission was more audacious in terms of physicality he was going to become the first man to cross the Antarctic from one side to the other. He was going to cross the entire continent on foot. That is a crazy, crazy distance. A journey of roughly 1,800 miles, the equivalent of walking from Denver, Colorado, from the Rocky Mountains all the way to the New York City coast, on foot, pulling sleds, 
in temperatures that would make your fingers literally fall off if you didn't have a glove on. Gale force winds, blizzards, whiteouts, and they were going to walk it and be the first to truly conquer the Antarctic continent. And unfortunately for him, it started going wrong right from the start because he got down to the Antarctic Peninsula after crossing over from South America across the infamous Drake Passage, which is one of the roughest patches of sea on the planet. He made it to Antarctica. And then what happened down there was they got trapped in sea ice. And the sea ice essentially strangled the endurance. After a thousand miles of sailing through pack ice and only a day or so from their final destination, they became stuck. They got locked into the sea ice. It closed in around them, pressing in on their ship like a vice, and they were stuck. They were unable to move. And, and gradually, with this sea ice, they, they just drifted, drifted away, unable to escape, unable to affect um, any kind of uh, movement whatsoever. They were completely caught uh, in, the, in the grasp of this ice. And, and they were obviously, you know, at, at the time, unable to, to contact anyone for help. They were truly on their own. And for 10 months, they drifted like that. And then it got worse. The, the ice slowly crushed them. Imagine being stranded there and hearing the bow slowly break the wood of the ship slowly crack around you. You can feel the ice pushing in like a vice on all sides. This is your only shelter. This is your only sanctuary. Certain death and cold and freezing conditions are outside. Your, your only warmth, your only safety is this boat and it's slowly being broken up like being held in an icy fist that's slowly crushing you. At this point, Shackleton's journey, the, uh, the endurance expedition, takes a dramatic and unexpected turn. And we're going to get into that later. But right now, I want to take you back to JT, because his journey is just about to begin. And like all um, polar expeditions today, and like Shackleton himself, in order to get to Antarctica, you must first cross one of the most infamous sea passages on the planet, one of the most dangerous stretches of water on the planet, the Drake Passage. So to get across to Antarctica from the bottom of South America, from Ushuaia, you have to cross the Drake Passage. And it's notorious as one of the roughest stretches of sea on the planet because it's where three oceans meet. So you have the Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Southern Oceans all fighting for supremacy. And it can get very, very nasty down there. Um, it, can, it pretty much feels like when you get it bad, when it's the Drake Shake max, it kind of feels like being inside a washing machine for three days permanently. A lot of people were very, very sick. It was a really rough experience and the photographer that I was with was pretty sick as well. He, um, we were, during the course of the Drake, they prepare you for what's going to happen on Antarctica. So we were being fitted with our wetsuits and life jackets and we were going to do uh, hiking as well so they were fitting us with boots and crampons and while Mark the photographer was being fitted with crampons uh, and the expedition leader was kneeling in front of him strapping the crampons on there was a violent 
Drake shake and he managed to, to puke on the back of the head of the expedition leader, which didn't go down too well for the rest of the trip. Um, and one night I remember we were having dinner in the, 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 the small ship's galley restaurant type area and uh, they tied all the chairs and tables down with chains because the, 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 the ocean was that violent and uh, they didn't want people flying across the room and again Mark the photographer had a glass of red wine and there was a, a violent shake and the glass of red wine ended up flying across the table and into the face of a stranger who was sitting just across the table but he took it in, in good spirits he kind of looked at us licked his lips and uh, said ah Merlot I honestly don't know if I could handle it I turn green if I lay out on a pool ilo too long I get seasick thinking about being on a boat. Imagine it, two days churning water, no land, huge waves, seas, just unrelenting seas. Um, we woke up and all of a sudden everything was still outside and there were just these amazing white mountains just kind of glistening in the early morning light. Antarctica is a proper continent. It has these incredible mountain ranges. It has natural harbours, it has valleys, it has insane wildlife, and there we were. We were there. We, we were looking at the last continent, at the great white continent, at this place that people like Shackleton and Scott and Amundsen had been obsessed with reaching. And this, you know, it was, it was the space race of the early 20th century. And, and after reading so much about it and thinking so much about it for years, Finally seeing it was quite humbling, really. It's an extraordinarily beautiful place. The last continent. I like that. I like that description. It feels like that, too. The last great, untouched, uh, wild place on Earth. A, a setting for incredible adventure. And JT's was just beginning. So we were down in Antarctica itself, Antarctica proper, for 10 days. And the, the idea, the, the itinerary of this particular expedition was to explore the peninsula. So the peninsula is, if you think of Antarctica as this great white continent at the bottom of the map, the peninsula is like an arm, like a, like a white arm that kind of reaches up as if it's trying to grab the tail of South America. And that's obviously the nearest point you can get to on continental Antarctica. That's where we were. Um, and that's where Shackleton was, of course, a hundred years before. So we were exploring the peninsula. We were spending mornings kayaking. Um, we were hiking out to penguin colonies. Um, we did stand-up paddleboarding through um, a corridor of icebergs, which was insane to see the colours of the icebergs and the way the light refracts through them as penguins are shooting about like torpedoes and seals are looking at you curiously and then sliding into the water. It's so, so funny to see seals because they're obviously very cumbersome on land, very fat and sloth-like and then as soon as they hit the water, it's so graceful and smooth and sleek and yeah, the, the wildlife down there is different because they, they, don't, they haven't had enough experience of man to know to be scared and they're, they're just curious unafraid and they're like this is our place who are you 
who are these slightly taller penguins with brightly coloured Gore-Tex. They don't have any fear. And some of the wildlife encounters were some of the best parts of the trip, to be honest. There are lots of rules that you have to abide by down there. You have to be very conscious of the wildlife. We weren't allowed to get within five meters of any wildlife unless they came to us. If they came to us, we had to stand very still. And there was one moment I remember where a penguin did come right up to me and started pecking at my salopettes um, in a kind of friendly, curious manner, which um, was very cute until it managed to rip a hole in them. But it was nice to have made a friend. So we, we explored some of the penguin colonies. We went to some of the bases. We went to the British base, Port Lockroy, which was a fascinating experience. They're doing some interesting experiments there. And um, it was good to, to, to see the older part of the base. And they, they kept it intact from, I believe it was the 1930s they built it. And then there's a much more modern dome where the, uh, the current incumbents stay. So that was really interesting. And then we went across to the Ukrainian base, which is called Vanadsky. And those guys were a little bit more crazy. They were more into uh, making their own vodka and uh, partying. And uh, they had this crazy thing there where if you gave them a bra, they would give you a shot of vodka. And we thought they were just messing about until they showed us into this room, which was full of bras just hanging from the ceiling. This episode of Armchair Explorer is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. And Pathfinder, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Because that's also what this show is all about. Exploring, getting off trail, having adventures, finding your own path and living life to the fullest. Sound like you? Yep, sounds like me too. Which is why I'm so excited to partner with Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has seven drive modes, available intelligent 4x4. It's got the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So go ahead and bring all that gear with you and lots more. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, a vehicle built for adventures everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, perhaps a little creepy, but everyone seems to take it in good spirits, especially after they tried the homemade vodka. I love, I love that comparison. I just have this sense of, you know, the Brits busying themselves with data and cups of Earl Grey, and then the Ukrainians right next door playing rock music and homebrewing vodka and building a shrine to bras because, because of course, what else would you do if you were stuck in Antarctica? But 
there's also something that every polar explorer has to go through. So one of the things we did down there was the, the polar plunge, the infamous polar plunge, which is mad, but it's a kind of rite of passage. And I think from the 90-odd people on the expedition cruise, maybe as many as 35, 40 of us did it. Basically, they, they anchor the ship, they find a nice, solid piece of ice. They go out there and they chainsaw a hole in it. And then you walk down onto the ice in your, in your boots and parka. You've got your swimming trunks on underneath and you line up and one at a time, they wrap a rope around your waist. You take off your jacket and your boots and you jump into the, into the hole, into the freezing water underneath the Antarctic ice. And you're in there for three or four seconds maybe and then they yank you out with the rope. Just as a frame of reference, you could jump in a, in a lake. It would be maybe 50 degrees and really cold for that. You would be jumping out pretty pretty quickly. The water in that polar plunge is just a fraction above freezing. You literally cannot jump in water colder than that. Now, as someone who likes to kind of dip my toes in the pool and wander around the outside and if it's a little bit cool I'll probably like to just heat up I'm a bit of a cat is what I'm saying when it comes to pools and and uh, oceans and cold water I like to lie out and get nice and hot before I jump in I can't imagine standing on the edge of that hole in the ice that black water underneath with a rope tied around me and being told to jump in and it's 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 quite a crazy feeling actually it's so cold that your mind doesn't register it for those few seconds you don't really feel the bitter chill until you're out again afterwards they give you a shot of snaps and then you basically run as fast as you can back up the gangplank and to your cabin to have a shower because you're freezing and speaking of freezing let's bring it right back to shackleton now because Antarctica is one thing with a nice warm bed and cups of tea and stuff to go back to, but it is quite another thing when you are completely on your own. One of the moments where I felt perhaps the closest to Shackleton and his expedition was when we did the cross-country skiing, when we were roped up and we were on skis and we were moving from point to point, and it was tough, you know. The... The weather was very kind to us on our trip. We had a lot of days where it was blue skies. And Antarctica just looked like this pristine alpine wonderland. And it was easy to fall in love with it. But then there were a couple of days where the weather came in and you realized what Shackleton and his men had to go through. Because, you know, the weather came in on a couple of occasions and we got evacuated back to the ship in Zodiacs. And we could basically go back to a nice warm ship and have a cup of tea and a piece of cake. Whereas Shackleton and his guys were out there properly. That started to bring it all home to me quite a lot. When the weather came in, that's when I started to think, wow, it was serious. And it was serious. As far as the endurance expedition goes, what happened next after they left their ship, after their ship had been crushed by the ice. Serious is a complete understatement. JT picks up the second half of the story now. Shackleton and his team got off the ship and they started 
on foot towing the lifeboats with their supplies, with dogs, to try and get across to solid land before the ice melted. And so it became this this battle against the elements and against time because they had to get across while there was still ice for them to get across and they had to get to an island before the sea ice broke up so they wintered down there they were down there in total for something like 18 months 18 months 18 months on their own on the ice in antarctica this is the coldest place on the planet literally the coldest temperature ever recorded was in Antarctica, 135 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. That is a crazy temperature. That is closer to the surface temperature of Mars than it is anywhere else on the planet. It is literally like exploring an alien freezing world. In the end, they they got across to an island, they got across to Elephant Island and uh, Shackleton left the majority of his crew there sheltering under the lifeboats, surviving on penguins and seals and the limited supplies they had, while he and five others took a tiny boat and navigated themselves all the way across to South Georgia, where they got to a whaling station and um, there was there were Norwegians there who could, could help them with the rescue attempt. And even when they got to South Georgia, they, they landed on the wrong side of the island and they were exhausted and starving and obviously suffering all kinds of different conditions from from what they'd been through for months and months on end down there. And they still managed to hike over the mountains of South Georgia to get down to the whaling base on the other side. And apparently uh, Shackleton um, opens the door to the whaling station. And obviously the the whalers are uh, terrified because they don't expect someone to just come knocking at the door. They're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden this like stick thin guy with a massive beard and mad eyes comes piling through the door and says, I am Ernest Shackleton, who won the war? And you just imagine, you just imagine these Norwegian whalers just sitting there having their tea and they're just like, what the hell? Like, where, where did this guy come from? I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm Ernest Shackleton. Who's won the war? You can just picture that. That's so British and 19th century. I just I just absolutely love that. Once they got over the absolute terror of this mad, bearded skeleton coming through the door demanding to know who won the war, um, they realised who he was and what had happened and they quickly managed to get help and get the other guys rescued and... Uh, just that, that dramatic moment where he bursts through the door and asks who won the war is, is just always stuck with me. They made it against all the odds. Shackleton and his crew managed to get help and managed to get a boat back to uh, the place where the rest of his comrades, the rest of the crew, were still sheltering under those lifeboats. They'd been there for, for just about three months at that point. Um, and he managed to get them back. You can just imagine the look on their faces when when uh, they saw Shackleton coming over the horizon on the, on the bow of that ship, um, just triumphant because against all the odds, not a single man died. Everyone came back despite spending uh, nearly two years in that frozen wilderness all alone on the ice. They survived and that's what makes it one of the greatest adventure stories of all time. One of the, one of the great 
success stories of, of exploration. And even though essentially the whole mission was a failure, you know, they didn't cross the Antarctic, they did not achieve their goals, they didn't even get anywhere close to achieving their goals. The fact that Shackleton refused to give up, refused to let anyone fall, refused to leave anyone behind, you know, giving his gloves to other people, giving his coat to other people. He was just more than a man. He got them out of it. That, that glorious defeat became more than, probably more than if he'd managed to achieve getting across the Antarctic from one side to the other. So he, he, it's the greatest success from the jaws of defeat story. No, that certainly that I've ever come across it. The drama and the human element, you know, it's, it's a fantastic story and set against the backdrop of one of the most beautiful places on the planet. So it's the end of Shackleton's heroic adventure story, the endurance story, and it ended with everyone safe. But but JT wasn't finished yet. He had one very, very special experience yet, and it's something that almost no one uh, gets to do. Only a handful of people ever go to Antarctica. It's a very hard place to get to. It's expensive to get to. But out of that handful, only a tiny, tiny fraction ever get to camp on the ice itself. And that truly is following in Shackleton's footsteps because to sleep out on the ice, um, surrounded by that beautiful frozen wilderness of Antarctica on your own uh, is truly something unique and special. I think it's fair to say that the highlight of the entire trip for me and most of the other people that I was down there with was the night we spent camping on the ice. And it was a very popular thing to do, but due to the the laws down there, only a certain amount of people are allowed to stay on the ice per night. I think it was something maybe as little as 20 and so we were lucky, Mark and I, the photographer, were lucky to get a slot. And the rules were very strict. You know, you're not allowed to leave anything behind at all um, to the extent that there were complicated arrangements for, for, for going to the toilet even. And they chose a little bay um, which was very calm. And we took tents and we spent um, a good time kind of digging in. You sort of, you dig um, what they call, a, I think they called it a grave or a coffin. You, di you dig a human-shaped or two human-shaped hole in the ice and then you put the tent over the top of it. And then you have um, various mats and then you're kind of bivy bag to sleep in. And that whole experience was insane. We didn't really sleep much at all. And, at that time of year, it doesn't really get dark. The sky kind of goes, it's kind of purple, sort of rosy pink, and then the sun squats very close to the horizon and then it just starts to rise again. So it's never truly dark during the Antarctic summer, which runs from November to February, all down in December. And just that feeling, just that quiet, that pure quiet, of being, of lying on the Antarctica, just like Shackleton and his guys had done a hundred years before. That feeling that you're alone with the elements. You know, of course the ship is close by in case you need it, but you, we couldn't see it. 
it was, you know, it was a good 15, 20 minute Zodiac ride away. We were on our own in the elements. And it was an incredible feeling, you know, that's the closest that I felt to Shackleton and to the other great explorers that had been, had literally crossed the same piece of land as we had. And of course it was a lot easier for us, but looking at the same mountains, all these mountains that just don't have names because nobody has climbed them. Looking at the same sky, looking at the same wildlife, you know, there were seals barking and there were penguins chattering, rummaging about to find pebbles to take back to their nests. It was just such, it was just a really happy place, even though it was freezing cold, you know, we, we snuck a hip flask over there and even that didn't really keep the, the cold at bay. We had three layers of gloves and balaclavas and all kinds of stuff. And it was so cold, but it was so beautiful. And I think looking back, not just on that trip, but on my entire career, that is one of the absolute standout highlights, that communing with what is probably the most beautiful, pristine place on Earth which is an incredibly humbling and emotional and beautiful experience. Communion. I love that word. Communion. That's what it is. It's moments of true connection. And that's why we go. This may be one of the last frontiers on the planet, a true wilderness untouched by humankind. But its silence and cold beauty is something that calls to us, it speaks to us too. But it's also a fragile wilderness. Obviously, there's a very real threat to Antarctica from climate change. And it's happening fast. Big pieces of ice are coming off and floating away and melting. And 30 years down the line, I dread to think what it's gonna be like, I mean, certainly not going to look like this white, perfect wonderland that it does now and it did in Shackleton's day. It's scary to think what might happen to this last great wilderness and I just feel, uh, I feel incredibly lucky that I got to see it the same way that Shackleton did because however distant that the relation was, you know, my great great grandfather. If my great-great-grandson was to go to Antarctica, we would see an entirely different place and I suspect it wouldn't be for the better. That's just a beautiful way to end this story. Thank you so much, JT. Thank you for telling us that story. Thank you for taking us with you to Antarctica. It's been an incredible adventure. At JT Travels, if you want to find out more about him, the original music and compositions today were done by a very good friend, my brother, Alistair Nisbet. He's an incredible musician, one of the most amazing musicians I've ever known. If you want to find out more about him and his music, please check the show notes. I'm going to provide links and details. Or you can check out the website too, armchair-explorer.com, where we'll have some details up about Ali's music, but we're also going to have details about this trip more pictures from Shackleton and how you can get there and do this adventure yourself. If you had fun today, please subscribe to the show. Please share and tell your friends about it. 
We're trying to build a community of people who love exploring, who love adventure, who love the outdoors, and who want to celebrate this world, this amazing, beautiful planet, by trying to see every single inch of it. I'm Aaron Miller. It's been awesome hanging out with you. It's been awesome going on this adventure with you. I'll see you again soon.